Welcome back to Association Data Points, where we discuss associations, data, and the people behind the numbers. I'm Aaron Peters, here with my co-host Brian Seabacher. Hey Aaron, how's it going? It's going really well. We came off of our first uh, booth at ASAE down in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, the crate just got back today. It did. Yes, all the all the shipping stuff. So now we have to unpack it. But we're gonna we're gonna unpack the the literal stuff from our booth, and we're gonna unpack our experience. I see what at you're ASAE. doing here. I know. I had coffee. I had tea. It's it's gonna be a lot. Uh, yeah, it's be one of those episodes. It is, and. We're joined in the studio today by one of our HAI team members, Catherine Zessman. Hello, Catherine. Hi, thanks for having me. Catherine works as the research designer at HAI and was in the booth with us at ASAE. Yeah, fun experience. Learned a lot. We, I think, you know, we, we can all say we learned a lot at this show. Oh, you, you've got, you can't help but learn when you're in front of the customers. Yes. And this industry was, uh, it was hopping. Mm-hmm. That show was very busy. And we, you know, we asked a couple of the, our, our booth neighbors who were there the previous year, maybe a couple previous years. And they said last year, so 2022, they had a lot of volume uh, moving through the booths and a lot of people stopping by. But the interactions were generally shorter and uh, they didn't sort of go into as much depth as they said they did this year with people who are stopping by. And I know we certainly found that to be the case. Just some great interactions with, with everyone, do really. You, do you think the, uh, the pandemic effects are still kind of being worked out at this point? Uh, in terms of? like how events are i mean i think people had time away from events so they were very excited to be back in a room with other people and not be terrified by that prospect but i I think is it are people relearning how to be an event oh yeah i mean i am still so like length of time you're talking to people and being engaged and even listening in a room that has a lot going on visually and a lot of sound happening for me yeah just sort of getting into that zone while we are on the floor but my goodness you start talking to one person and it's just like you hit the flow right away Mm -hmm. because association people are they just they want to communicate they're great communicators we all are working uh, it's very mission-based work we want to align with associations so it was i mean it was really fun yeah you don't feel like you have to pull it out of them or anything they're they're mm-hmm. happy to share mm-hmm. they're, they're, they've got stories to tell too mm-hmm. oh yeah there were some great interactions at the booth and i have to agree it, a couple of association mem- um, professionals mentioned how excited they were to be back in person and just having the one-on-one interactions with people In addition to speaking with people at the booth, we had the opportunity to check out some of the sessions that they had. So the shorter sessions in the expo hall, as well as some of the longer sessions in the conference room. And we found DEIBA still a hot topic, lots of sessions around that. And it's interesting thinking back in last year when we were in Nashville, huge topic then as well. So Brian, I'm curious on your thoughts. What's what's the evolution of this topic look like to you? Well, I, I see it reflects that a lot of work is being done and there's probably still a lot of work left to do. People are starting to kind of get the uh, 
the early returns, I guess, of where they are and uh, what they're learning from this, which is, I think, is healthy for the for the field. I, I, I think, you know, some of the things I heard a lo in a lot of the sessions is that uh, stopping at the letter D is not going far enough. I think mm -hmm. uh, it's in some ways it's the easiest thing to measure, but it just starting there, you know, the other components of this are things that typically will not be as easy to put metrics on that everyone understands. And uh, I think that was uh, that was one takeaway I had. Uh, also, that uh, a number of you know, I, I think you know, getting the you know organizations aligned around just doing this work continues to be kind of a you know a work in progress. I think uh, Catherine, you went to a session specifically you know about that topic. Yeah, yeah, and from what I from what I heard, it seems like different associations are at different places in their DEI BA efforts. So it's there's still a lot of collaboration that can be done and um, still a lot of work work left to do. And Brian, to a couple interesting things that I remember from a session, you spoke about the, the D, the diversity being the, the one that's easier to measure. And uh, one of the speakers shared with us that the efforts to measure diversity go all the way back to 1974. I don't mean all the way back because I, I feel like there might be people in this room who were born in 1974. Like, I'm not like, totally like, sure about like, that. Like me, for instance? <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I, I am gonna say that one, yes. Okay. Um, but it, it for diversity starting to be measured in 1974, adding on equity, inclusion, belonging and accessibility, a lot of the conversation did start to focus around belonging. How do we measure belonging? That's a tough one. Very tough one. One of the things that we heard was it's difficult to have any sort of agreement or, or not any sort of agreement, but a stand, standard agreement on terminology. What does equity mean and look like? What does belonging mean and look like? And then some of the more specific terminology that you use in um, benchmarking any sort of way to gather metrics about this work. I mean, we say that feelings are hard to measure, but it's we have seen this for years. I mean, we, we there are sentiment analysis surveys in all sorts of businesses, so. We are used to measuring things like this. I think it's now coming up with those sorts of aligning concepts that people can, you know, every, everyone in the industry measures it the same way. Even even things that are not human feelings can be hard to define in the same terms. So I, I think we are, this is a process and uh, this work will continue on. And I think some of these concepts will become a little more well understood and uh, agreed upon. And that that will certainly help for uh, measuring this and uh, advancing the work. Mm -hmm. And I think too that having data uh, behind these discussions is certainly helpful in, in even opening the door to the discussions. We can look at some of the, the metrics that are captured and that gives a starting point for where we are, where we could go, what are other people doing that works? And we did hear more of that conversation this mm -hmm. year. Yeah, having common ground. I also noticed some of the sessions were more interactive. So they were really asking attendees 
talk with the person next to you, make some connections about what is, you know, what are your challenges? What are your struggles? So keeping the value around the conversation was very apparent in these sessions. It wasn't just a presentation um, where, where a lot of information or strategy was, was thrown at people. So that's an important part of it too. I think that's, uh, that goes hand in hand with having an in-person event. I mean, like mm-hmm. having those sidebars on Zoom or on a Teams call is, uh, it, it doesn't work the same way. I totally agree. We're missing all of those human interactions and the, the nonverbal cues and just seeing how people get excited and like, you know, the, even the chance to just have those chance encounters later after those sessions where you're passing them between places and, and the times that, you know, at, at the, uh, at the parties and so on, like that's, that's really where those, uh, the connections are made. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, you know, I think that that is the biggest value of a conference like that in my estimation and that, you know, and I think, you know, they incorporating that into sessions is a, is a good idea. It's also, it's easy to see a lot of wallflowers at those events too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I have been that person who's like, oh, why don't we, uh, let's make groups now. Like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we saw that handled, Catherine and I attended a session right before we left at the airport. We saw that handled really smoothly. The speakers saw people were a little reluctant to talk to each other uh, at the very beginning. So they just kind of turned it into, oh, go ahead and raise your hand and share with the group. And by the end of the session, people were, were sharing freely with each other. So just cultivating that uh, cultivating that cohort was was really important. And we had an, we were able to experience in our booth a much deeper dive into that. So Catherine, tell us more about that. Yeah, yeah. So at our booth, we um, talked to the attendees about their work from home policies and preferences. Um, we wanted to find out what was going on in the association world. How how were people responding to you know COVID and the at, you know, after COVID, mm-hmm. working in the office or coming or, or working from home. Big um, topic. People are still we see in the topic. news all the time. Companies are requiring people to come back to work. Um, some some practices of sort of monitoring employees sometimes as they're doing remote work. I mean, Brian, to your point about the in-person experience that we had versus like a Teams experience or Zoom with the sidebar, as a neurodivergent person, the sidebar is my focus killer for sure when those conversations go on. So in-person is is really important to me. But Tell us what you what we found in yeah. that in that survey. We had a hundred responses. That was our first hundred respondent. Mm-hmm. We've done this at a few conferences now, and this is a first triple digits. Just barely got there. Though. Yeah, very exciting, very exciting. Yeah, and we had fourteen different industries represented by the survey, and that's you know the the industries that these association professionals represent, um, and that is qualified by saying that those industries are the North American industry classification system that our federal government uses. Um, but I, I thought it was so great to see so much representation. And let's see, we also saw that almost 75% of our survey responses came from employees at organizations with less than 50 employees. 
That is huge. I, yeah. That really popped out to me of, of all of these. Like associations represent very large industries, but they themselves are very small businesses. Yes. And that really reflects how they they think and act and how they see the world. It's uh, one of the biggest things I've, I think, came out of that. And even that 75% at 50 and under, it was like almost 50% at 20 and under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, these are very small organizations. Now, we're gonna be putting this link in the show notes, which uh, please take a look for yourself. There's some very interesting information here, and uh, I guess you know, the, that one really jumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're also um, looking at Pew research, and I have to say that the uh, 100 responses that we got from ASAE aligned very closely with the Pew data that represents national responses. So there were pretty well aligned with most national preferences on this specific topic. Uh, work from home remains in active. I think a lot of people are still navigating these questions and like it's, it's changing the face of the country and, and the world. I, I would say like what we're seeing in real estate, for example, in urban cores is directly an effect of what's happening, what you see in this survey is like a lot of people will now prefer to work from home if given the option. Mm-hmm. And I think the the metric that you had there, Catherine, about 75% of responses were, what was it, 50 associations of 50 and under? Yeah, so 75% of the survey responses uh, came from employees at organizations that had less than 50 employees. Right, yep. And so we're, we found that speaking with association professionals, you know, there's this passion and this expertise. And that really makes sense because a lot of them are wearing multiple hats within their association. So they have a, a direct hand in a lot of the different facets of work that's being done. So they truly are experts in what they do. And we, we found, too, that there's you know, there's a level of exhaustion that comes with that and keeping a lot of plates spinning. And, you know, they're just association professionals are working so hard for their members. And that and that is really evident. And that came across very clearly. And I think it was uh, kind of interesting seeing their understanding of just the topic of data and Mm -hmm. how it focused. Uh, We saw a definite split. I think most association professionals, when when we spoke with them at the booth, uh, they Tell us a little more, Catherine, you, you were having the conversations when, when they were talking about data, what, how did they look at this? Were they looking at this as something of, that helps them run their business or something that they can collect information about how their members run their business? That's a good question. I, I mean, I, I saw a lot of both. Um, associations have a hard time collecting you know, their members' data um, after survey fatigue, they're, they're sending out so many surveys, they gotta drive member engagement, but not, and, and try to get feedback from their association or members, but um, they, they have trouble collecting that data. And, but they wanna know what their, what their members think and, and what they can do to better serve them. Um, but then after that, they also have a hard time sharing the results of those, mm. that, those surveys. So they're they're sending out, but they're not really sharing what they learned. Yes, yes, and that would definitely impact response rates. Mm-hmm. But then there's also on the other side, um, associations also want to drive 
you know, they want to be the thought leaders. They want to um, be the single source of information for their industry. And a really great way to do that is to collect data from their members and publish that data out. So everybody has the same, is working from the same, you know, common ground set of standards. Yeah. And I found, too, that I had a, a lot of conversations, and, and you mentioned this, for that sort of inward-facing data, so the running of the business. So it would start out the conversations kind of asking about data and how their members were using data and you know, talking about that. And usually the person with whom I was speaking would, would kind of say, that's great. What kind of things you know, are people doing to measure the business? of the association and they said i mean again back to that that point about 75 percent of the responses from these small companies they're they're doing the work day in day out they know there's good data there really hard to capture what's the most useful data and how how they can use it or even how they can gather Mm -hmm. that data just gathering it and then presenting it to their teams their boards uh, like just getting it on the same page. This this remains something, you know, to this day, this remains something that is surprisingly challenging. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of take for granted that this is a data-driven world and that we're, you know, everyone's running their lives off of metrics. I, I, I don't see that. Yeah, I think that was reflected in the conversations as well, that they get all this data, but now what are they going to do with it? What actions can they take as a result mm-hmm. collectively? Right. That, and that is just the heart of association's missions, mm-hmm. is bringing people together. How can, we, how can we benefit from each other's experiences and knowledge? And again, that's what we saw in the, um, the breakout sessions. A lot, of that, uh, a lot of that encouragement to work together, even in those, those small moments. And interestingly, when I was speaking with people, you know, they would say, I mean, we're trying. We use, and they, you know, they named a couple um, free or lower price platforms to say, you know, we're going to try this out and kind of see how this goes. And then they, they stayed with, uh, with those technologies or those platforms, mostly because what I learned was because that's what they've always done or that's what the person before them did. They're used to it. And again, bottom line, they are doing so many things that it just feels like a really big lift to look at that differently. When talking about pain points, however, they're sort of like, yeah, it's, it's not really working, but it's, it's checking a box. But it's not painful enough. Exactly. The culture hasn't changed, so it's just kind of, this is information. It's not, it's not actionable information, and mm-hmm. I don't really, it's not going to change how I do this job, but it would be nice to know, I suppose. So I guess, you know, can other, not every association works this way, but it seems like we heard this conversation quite a bit, I, I guess, at the table, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like the largest focus group in the world or for you know associations is just have them come up to you and have this one-on-one conversation learning about the the friction points in associations and the the great missions that they're they're working to achieve and this uh, you know this mission of like what we do on this show or what we you know here i i feel like it's trying to advance that culture so that data does become something that is actionable and so on so i i 
I think it was it was a great experience for us to be in that room and just to learn more from the people who were trying to help and see like where 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 are they today and where do we need to be to be able to address them and I think you know, we we did actually we learned quite a bit and we uh, we gathered a few uh, actually now some future episodes too as well you'll be seeing some guests that we've uh, picked up along the way and uh, some exciting stuff coming in the pipeline I think yes. just the, this conversation is. Uh, a lot of people very interested in it are they're eager to learn and i but i think they're you know there's certainly i think things remain kind of at the beginning mm -hmm. rather than we're in the middle and we need to course correct or come up with something new and and again too it just i can't say enough about the spirit of association professionals so we would go to to some of the breakout sessions and or just meet people at the booth they they don't know me they've never heard of me they wouldn't really even know what I do other than going up and saying, Hey, I really enjoyed your presentation and the work you're doing. I co-host a podcast. Would you be interested in potentially being a guest? And they were like, yeah. So it's, oh my gosh, just to, to get the message out, tell their story, reach association professionals in whatever manner they can. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to sharing those, having those conversations and learning even more and sharing it with this audience. I think advancing that culture and bringing forward like data is not you know data is for everyone we feel like i think and making that accessible is really just what we're trying to do here and uh, or at least contribute to that so mm -hmm. in the show notes you'll find a link to the asae cohort survey and we also will link the ASAE website if you want to find out more about that association. And they just put up a link where you can request information about the ASAE 2024 conference in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, uh, we'll be going from Atlanta to Cleveland, which mm -hmm. hopefully a, a little different weather, maybe, we'll see. I, you know, maybe a little less rain. It was, we got impressive rain, impressive rain. We got stuck in a couple downpours, but we found an excellent restaurant on, on mm. the end of one of the downpours. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I, it was definitely worth I, it. I enjoyed spending the t spending time with you both and yeah. we look forward to next year and uh, we're uh, meeting more of these uh, great people and seeing how things have progressed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and it'll be really fun too now to come back and have some of these relationships established. So we're, we're seeing people that we met this at, you know, a, a couple weeks ago, we're going to see them in a year and we'll have continued to foster these connections. And so that'll be, that'll be really fun because you did see a lot of professionals here who were greeting each other. They haven't seen each other in at least a year, maybe more if they haven't attended a conference, you know, since, since COVID. Um, and you can just tell it's people are so happy to be there and we are happy to be part of this world now. Absolutely. Anything, uh, anything more, any other takeaways, exciting things, uh, Catherine, you're working on, uh, things coming I'm, up. I am just excited to, uh, be able to start empowering, uh, association professionals with data. That's, Makes Sounds sense. like fun to me. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Catherine. Thank Thanks you, Catherine. for having me. Association Data Points is brought to you by Hargrove and Associates. Since 1985, we've helped associations serve their most critical member data needs by collecting, producing, and delivering exclusive market information. You can visit us online at hargrovedata.com.